G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. You're on Vision Christian Radio. Neil Johnson with you. It is the Tuesday edition of 2020. A conversation I know you will be very interested in because if you live in a community where there's a local council, you might be especially concerned about some of the directions that local government is going. And so we'll offer an opportunity today to contribute to our conversation. You might have your own insights as to what's happening in your own local council community We're turning our attention to local councils today because what's coming up on the 16th of March, now it might only be one state for now, but all of our states have council elections at different times. But on the 16th of March, elections will be held to elect the mayors and councillors that constitute the 77 local governments in the state of Queensland. Now, later this year, New South Wales people will vote in local government elections on the 14th of September. And so there'll be other different times around the nation. But our special guest today is a former federal politician, George Christensen. But before federal politics, his foray into local government happened back in 2004 when he was elected to the Mackay City Council as a councillor and in 2008 gained a seat on the amalgamated Mackay Regional Council. And now he's planning another move back into local government again. In life after Parliament, as a Liberal Nationals MP, George Christensen has emerged as a commentator on challenges facing the West. He's the founder of a new organisation called Nation First, and he's also now Australian Campaign Director for Citizen Go. George is unashamedly conservative, a blogger, a podcaster, a journalist, and even has a degree in Christian theology. He's never shy to have his Christian values shape his public persona and he's not holding back in his commentary blog called Nation First. George Christensen, a special welcome back to 2020. Well, thank you very much, Neil. It's great to be back on the show. Hey, George, there's an old saying about local government um, that local councils are about roads, rates and rubbish. And uh, But if we're looking carefully at what happens in local governments now, there uh, seems to be a whole lot more going on. What are your thoughts? Indeed, unfortunately, there's a whole lot more rubbish going on in some of the councils, uh, Neil. I mean, and look, sadly, we are seeing the, uh, you know, the woke mind virus uh, suddenly capture some of our councils where they're busy writing um, motions that will actually do nothing about the state of Israel or any other issue like that rather than focusing on the things that matter. Worse still, uh, we're seeing council libraries and uh, entertainment centres and and, and theatres and that sort of thing get dragged into this whole gender fluidity nonsense. This, this it, Well, it's actually not just a nonsense. It's a real issue that's uh, targeting children and so we're seeing more and more of these uh, council-run facilities, ratepayer-backed facilities that are putting on drag shows, drag queen shows for kids, uh, whether it's uh, drag queen story times in 
ratepayer-funded uh, public libraries or uh, uh, drag queen shows, actually, in, uh, in local theatres. This has even come to affect little old Mackay, you know, of all places I would never have thought that we would have seen a drag queen show targeted for kids, even kids, they're advertising this, as young as four years old, Neil. Let that sink in. A ratepayer-funded entertainment centre here in Mackay is putting on a drag queen show uh, for kids and they advertise it as young as four years old. Now, I don't know what on councils, mate, but it's certainly not just roads, rates and rubbish anymore. Okay, so rate payers who are paying the bills for those council libraries and uh, all of the other services, well, Christians are rate payers too. Uh, do Christians sit back and do they just watch the world go by and see these sorts of programs introduced into libraries or the sorts of books that are on display in uh, public libraries now, which we'll talk about, some of those very, very contentious. But Christians are rate payers too. Uh, do Christians have less rights than others? Well, that's right, Neil. You talk about it uh, all being about inclusivity, but what about inclusivity uh, uh, not just for Christians, but including Christians, but for the vast bulk of parents that don't want to see this nonsense going on and affecting their children, who are just far too young to understand issues about sexuality and gender fluidity and, fluidity and all that sort of stuff. I mean, uh, uh, for goodness sake, let's let kids be kids. Let's not infect them with this, um, you know, these ideologies uh, as young as the age of four, mate. I mean, I just can't wrap my head around that. I can't wrap my head around that as a Christian. I can't wrap my head around that as a parent of a three-and-a-half-year-old. Why would I want my four-year-old daughter exposed to a man dressing up as a woman and doing, like, sexually provocative dancing? I don't understand that, Neil. I don't understand why a council would want to sponsor that type of thing. But it's not just happening in Mackay. This is happening all around the nation. Uh, you know, we've had it in Brisbane where there's actually a Liberal uh, uh, city council. Um, we, we have it definitely down in the southern states in Sydney and Melbourne where they're, uh, you know, as woke as woke can be. Uh, but it's happening right around the nation, Neil. You know, I, I have heard uh, there's creative ways that Christians can respond. Uh, somebody made the suggestion, what about pastor's story time in your local council? Um, but yeah, I guess you've got to organise a roster. That could certainly happen. But I wonder whether they'd be as welcome in our local council <laughs> libraries as drag queens. Any thoughts here? Yeah, well, it would be interesting to see. Uh, would the libraries open themselves up to uh, let a pastor read a Bible story for kids and would see how inclusive that they are? Very good idea, actually. But look, I, I think that uh, the time has come for probably more than just um, uh, trying to fight fire with fire. We need a big bucket of water poured on these events uh, just to stop them. You know, if you want to have a drag queen event, Neil, uh, have it, but that's something that's in the remit of adults, people over the age of or 18 age, uh, 18 of age and over. Um, knock yourself out if that's the kind of thing you want to see. Knock yourself out, but do not expose minors to it, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and particularly, particularly not with ratepayer funds or with ratepayer funded institutions like public libraries and um, entertainment centres and theatres and that sort of thing. Sometimes local government 
flies under the radar a little, doesn't it? Because we've got to focus on federal government, we've got state governments and uh, elections rolled around and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a focus there. Local government, though, has it become as much a target or, or like you might even call it a magnet for activists, uh, for people who, are, uh, people who are interested in their own identity politics and putting their point of view forward? Uh, is this happening in local government that you're aware it's actually a global thing. It's happening definitely in the US, and we can see it now in Australia, particularly in public libraries, which um, in Australia are largely controlled by local councils. There's some state libraries, but uh, and you mentioned books before. You know, uh, just to touch on that, I mean, you now have libraries that are stocking books that are available to children, uh, which are completely and utterly inappropriate for children. I mean, one of these books uh, that I know is in local libraries here and. You know, uh, parents should actually go and do this exercise. They should go into uh, their own public library and see what's available in the children's section. They'll probably find that book that uh, Woolworths actually pulled, uh, Welcome to Sex, uh, that was co-written by um, that controversial, uh, uh, you know, B-grade celebrity, Yemi Steins. Uh, you know, that 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 book uh, has a lot of stuff in there that is completely and utterly inappropriate for children. And uh, yet it'll probably be sitting there easily accessible to children, probably able to be borrowed by children um, in, in council libraries. So we've got to be very careful, actually, uh, and, and worse still, although we're not talking about this, I wonder whether that sort of same material is available in school libraries, but that's another issue altogether. Uh, but we need to be careful about what our kids are being exposed to in these public libraries because without a doubt, they're now... I mean, we talk about the long march of the left through the institutions now, and now libraries of all places uh, are now one of those institutions that are being captured uh, by this, uh, what I call the woke mind virus, where they just want to push gender fluidity uh, on to children. George, uh, when we talk about councils and who has the uh, the last say on what, what books appear on the library bookshelves, um, does the local councillor have any power over the people who are choosing the books? Um, because if you're mm. if you're set, told that you're dealing with uh, roads, rates, and rubbish, um, mm. take your hands off who chooses what books the children should read. Uh, is there power for local councillors to you know uh, shift a little bit of weight onto uh, into some of these areas, or who who does have the the responsibility there, and who can actually you know a black ban a particular book from a from a library shelf? Yeah. Well, let me give you two answers: one um, philosophical and one reality. I mean, uh, let's start with reality. In reality. Uh, the hands of individual councillors are very tightly controlled. You've got to remember that local government is basically a creature of state government. The only reason that local government exists is through the Local Government Act that the state government actually has in place. Um, and so uh, the, the hands of councillors can be bound individually, that is, um, to, to, you know, for instance, a councillor could not walk into a public library, uh, find a book, walk up to the librarian and say to her, how dare this be stocked? I want this taken off the, uh, off the shelves. That would be actually breach of uh, the Local Government Act and there would be penalties in place for a councillor doing that. But let me say, uh, philosophically or theoretically, who has control over what's stocked in the public library? The answer's in the name the public. And if the public complain 
to their council as a collective, uh, not just one single councillor, but the council hears that complaint. And if the council believes that that complaint is valid, then the council responding to the public quite rightly can actually pass a motion that removes certain inappropriate books from the library or alternatively restricts those books from children. Um, now, restricting the books from children would probably be you know, a good halfway position. They could be wrapped up in a in a in a in a bag and put in an area where only accessible to librarians, and they're only issued to adults. Um, uh, I'm not sure what they're doing in libraries anyway. Uh, you know, semi-pornographic material, which is what we're talking about, Neil. And some of these things really are beyond the pale. A lot of them are graphic novels. I've seen some of the content in these books, and uh, you wouldn't want your, your your listeners to actually see that material because it is beyond the pale as i say but that's the stuff that's being made available to children so uh, i think the answer ultimately is who can determine what books should be removed from view of children in libraries the public well some listeners might have heard stories about you know the concerned parent who turns up at the p and f uh, with one of these books that they've found on a school library shelf and they've began to read it to the PNF and they get shut down because how dare you assault with us assault us with such a uh, graphic material uh, so it's not, it's you know you can't uh, you can't actually read that aloud in the presence of adults but it's on the library shelf ready for children to borrow and read so there's something not quite right there george before we move on before we take any calls i mentioned just before the break that the uh, the way that the public actually has power because sometimes mm. we're always looking to someone else to do that or someone who is, you know, rising mm. in community activism. Maybe they've got aspirations to be elected to a council and, and so they want to be outspoken. The local press will report what they say. How do you take action when you are a yeah. member of the rate-paying public in your council community when you see something that's wrong? Look, I think there's three ways, and one way for Queenslanders right now is uh, very, very apparent. We've got an election coming up in uh, just less than three weeks. Uh, in fact, uh, voting starts in most places in about uh, uh, less than a week, Neil, because of early voting. Um, so right now is your chance, if you live in Queensland, to phone up your local councillor or a council candidate and ask them questions. And uh, one question might be, um, will you oppose uh, and, and vote against any drag queen show or gra drag queen story time aimed at children that's uh, sponsored by any council institution, whether it's a public library or a theatre or entertainment centre, anything controlled by council? And will you move to ban any inappropriate books uh, from your council library? I've got to tell you that as a former elected public official at both state and federal levels, there is nothing more intimidating than a voter asking you questions at election time uh, because you know that their vote hinges on your response. And, uh, you know, ask for it in writing so that uh, this can be kept at a later date. If they refuse to answer that question, you pretty much know that they are not on your side. And tell them that, that if they refuse to answer the question, you will vote against them. So that would be number one. Number two, Neil, is that outside of elections, look, it becomes a little bit more difficult because councils, at least in Queensland, and I think just about the, the nation over, have four-year terms. Um, so those four-year terms make it very difficult to apply political pressure, particularly in the first couple of years. 
But with people power, there does come pressure. So you need to rally other people to your cause through petitions, uh, turning up to the council meeting in droves and uh, having your say there. So that's what I would say. Finally, can I say there's good people like Bernard Gaynor, and we mentioned him off air before, Neil, but Bernard Gaynor is an activist down there uh, in, in Logan, but he doesn't just take on Logan issues. He takes on issues nationwide. He's particularly... Um, very, very well-versed and educated about the kind of inappropriate books that are in public institutions. Um, I've worked with Bernard before, if I could just strap my uh, Citizen Go hat on to actually launch petitions that uh, see some of these books um, uh, dealt with by our uh, classification review board, unsuccessfully, actually, uh, quite bizarrely, when even when there's pedophilic comment in graphic novels, uh, those... Uh, publications aren't even taken out of uh, uh, circulation for children. Uh, so we've got a big problem in Australia and we need to do more of it. I've got to say that, again, with that Citizen Go hat on, I'm talking with uh, the uh, the managers of that organisation about launching a major campaign to actually deal with these kind of inappropriate books this year because I think that there is a strong appetite from the public that we get these books removed from public institutions, at least removed from the view of children and access to children in these public institutions. And so if you're aware of some of these issues developing in your own local libraries, be it your council library, and it might even be a school library, and that's something similar, I guess, where you can take that sort of action, uh, you might be interested to connect with George Christensen. If there's a bigger campaign that's coming, I'll give you a way that you can connect with him shortly. Hey, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Mary is in Dolby in Queensland. Hey, Mary, welcome along. Hi, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> Mary, what are your thoughts? Well, um, we've been very blessed a couple of weekends ago to be able to show the Jesus Revolution movie in a park um, in the main part of Dolby. Um, so it was open to everybody. Uh, we had a good roll-up, as um, Matt Prater would have... Um, oh, well, you can find out the details from Matt or Carol. Uh, yep. um, we also had uh, a men's breakfast at the Anglican Church. It was open to everybody. We had a ladies' morning tea at the Salvos. Uh, we had... Um, Mary, lots of good things happening there for you in Dolby, but let's pick up on the park thing because oftentimes you'll need some sort of permit to have a public expression in a park and parks come under the jurisdiction of local councils. George Christensen, uh, there's good stories like this, people utilising the opportunities that they do have to be a public expression for good values and for Christian faith. Um, is that any of that at risk? I mean, what are your thoughts here for Mary? Well, I, I just firstly want to say hats off to Mary. I mean, organising these sort of events or being part of the organisation, that's what community is all about and that's what Christians should be doing. Um, so, so well done to you, Mary, first of all. That's what I want to say. Um, and also, I, I could not imagine anything terribly woke going down in Dolby. Uh, so, uh, you know, hats off to Dolby as well for being a council that's uh, willing to embrace these kinds of events but look, I, I do wonder, you know, um, would you get the same embrace as a Christian community for an event down in Melbourne in one of the city councils there or the inner city councils in Sydney? Uh, I'm not sure, Neil. It probably just depends on 
what is going to be said at that event, they'd probably want to see some of that detail. Yes, Christians are being pushed out of the public square and we've got to make sure that they're not fully. In fact, um, I was contacted earlier this week by a, a, a pro-life organisation. It's not a pro-life organisation that is uh, uh, campaigning. It's one that actually helps women uh, affected by um, uh, a crisis pregnancy, uh, but that they they uh, have a strict policy that they um, you know are, are pro life, so they don't give uh, any sort of abortion or termination uh, uh, advice. Now, now they have a view uh, that that they may have been knocked back for grants from various councils uh, because of the fact that they are a pro-life organisation. And uh, if that is the case, that is completely and utterly wrong and it does show you that there is a bit of an anti-Christian bent in some of the city councils that are around the nation and in Queensland. Uh, thanks so much to Mary and Dolby. Mary, did you have anything else to add? Um, well, I just think as ratepayers, uh, we need to stand up for what we believe in. And yes. there is, uh, we have a minister's fraternal, which we're very blessed to have here in Dolby. Very we good. meet on the fourth Wednesday of each month at different churches to have a meal together. Um, we're still able to go into the schools. I teach RI in the schools um, mm. and have done so for the last 25 years or plus, I think. Um, but, um, yeah, we need to... Um, you know, I, I think of that verse that the Lord has in his word, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But, hey, uh, the buck's got to stop somewhere. Hey, Mary, yes. thank you so much for your great input. And our talk I back love line. That, that, that yep, line, Neil, should be a quote somewhere. You know, render to Caesar's what is Caesar's, but the buck has got to stop somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and render to God what is God's. Mary, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. To be part of our conversation, we're talking about local councils and uh, with a local council election coming up in the state of Queensland, one later on this year, September in New South Wales and uh, coming to your state or territory sometime soon, getting involved in local politics. Um, sometimes we think of the third tier, you say... Uh, uh, George, you know, it's uh, local government, you know, comes from state government. Uh, so there's something, though, about getting involved in your local community. Just quickly before the news, any just a thought or two here, because uh, anyone who is community minded has the potential yeah. to be elected and therefore be part of the decision making, don't they? That's true. And I've got to say, if you're involved in your community and you want to bring, um, godly values into your council and community, uh, uh, you couldn't do any worse than to put up your hand uh, as a local government candidate. And I know that a lot of people who are running in the local race here in Mackay are Christians. Um, and, uh, you know, that's good to see because, um, you know, we're called to do that as well. We're called to be uh, light and salt in their own communities. And I think that that's very important now. George Christensen is our guest. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We'll take some more calls after Vision National News. We're talking about local councils. Uh, you might like to contribute. Um, there's some big things happening and there are some values that are changing in local government everywhere and perhaps there is a time when Christians need to be stepping up. George, I think we should take some calls uh, first up as we get this part of our conversation underway. Let's take a call from Amanda. Amanda is an elected councillor in Catherine in the Northern Territory. Hey Amanda, well welcome done. along. 
Oh, hi. Hi. I'm so excited to talk with you. <laughs> well, give us your uh, your insights here. You've been listening to what we've been saying, Amanda. What are your thoughts? Uh, look, uh, what George said um, about being an elected member is so true. You, you, you're gagged uh, <laughs> um, and not allowed to say many things. Um, mm. Getting the community to complain, put a complaint in and, and support um, uh, for us to, to move a motion is a fantastic idea. And uh, one thing that happened to me in early in my elected membership was, um, was another couple of uh, uh, woke uh, transgender cancellers decided to... Uh, to get rid of, make a motion to get rid of the opening prayer. <laughs> wow. We don't need it anymore. Uh, these right. are the sorts of I, these I are the sorts of things that uh, that uh, in fact, when you've got as I was talking a little earlier, that sometimes councillors become councils become a magnet for activists, and this is one of those areas, you know, and it's like a. Uh, a de-Christianizing of those things yeah. that have been accepted as community values, and uh, one of those could be the opening prayer. Uh, Amanda, give us what more insights. What what else has been happening so far as the the things that are happening in your so, community? So, I, well, overcoming that issue, so it was put in a motion. Uh, surprisingly to me, I asked, "What's going on? What's the motion? You're supposed to have 14 days' notice." And they tried to put it in to get it out and, and cut me out of it. And, uh, yeah. and all the councillors agreed to it. Yeah, no, we don't need to have it. Why we have it, blah, blah, blah. On the, on the day before, I, we've got nine churches in Catherine. And we all work together. We have combined church services every year. And we all work together. And it's absolutely amazing. God is working in this town. And I got all the Christian ladies and I put a message out, Christian Lake, please come to the meeting. Please put you... And I had them ringing me. Amanda, what can we do? Email the council. You do... Come to the meeting. And um, guess what happened? All the councillors voted against it because there was so much support to, to, to leave it in. So we still got our opening prayer. And well done. the rallying together. Now, Catherine, again, we're talking, you know, big cities and smaller communities. Sometimes... The ministers fraternal and the relationships between people who are a part of those churches, that's where yeah. those relationships are so powerful uh, because yeah. when you say, hey, there's a need here, everyone jumps to attention and says, what can we do? Uh, George, I want yeah. to bring you in here too. I mean, uh, how do you reflect on what Amanda's sharing? Well, uh, look, firstly, hats off uh, to Amanda. Uh, Amanda, you're a public official. You don't mind me uh, saying your last name, obviously. Sure. Yes. Um, that's uh, fine. If you, I, I'm going to just say, Neil, if you live in the Northern Territory, if you live in uh, Catherine Town Council, you know, make sure you support Councillor Amanda Kingdon. Uh, <laughs> Councillor Amanda Kingdon. She uh, obviously is a dynamite in her council to be able to stop that because once that happens, it's very difficult to stop. You know, once they get their sights on, on you know, they're going to remove something like prayers, very difficult to stop that. And, uh, You've hit on a good point there, Neil. Where you have a strong local ministers fraternal uh, in Mackay, we call it Mackay churches together, uh, they can be a, 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 a very good pressure point, a very good lobby group 
to actually uh, get information out to people to make them take action. And so uh, I find that in communities that do have the strong network of pastors and uh, ministers of religion and priests, that uh, mm. you do find that, that these sort of things can be stopped. And obviously that's the case there in Catherine, Amanda. Yes, yes, it is. Amanda, let me ask you, um, what sort of pressure has to come to bear uh, for an, a motion to be tabled in the local council? Uh, is it petitions? Is it just that there's, you know, a letter that's a combined letter from the, the churches uh, working together? What sort of pressure does there need to be for a motion to be put to the local council? Yes, exactly what you said. It has to come from the community or the community groups. Um, it's very difficult. Since that motion that day, we haven't had a motion in council since that day. <laughs> and oh and she's, she's, up, she's, up, she's underselling herself. Amanda's underselling herself to you too because what it takes uh, as well, yeah. Neil, is not just the public pressure, but it takes a councillor yeah. like Amanda Kingdon to actually... <laughs> put a hand up and put that motion up. And I've got to tell you, when you've got a very small council, as no doubt Catherine is, that can be yeah. quite intimidating because you can work with these people every day and they get ticked yeah. off at you because you put up something controversial that they knew yeah. they had to stake a claim on and they had to go one way or the other. And if they went the way that they really wanted to go, they know there's a whole heap of people who are going to be riled up at them and they think, well, Amanda's responsible for that. So, so you need a receptive counsellor and that's why elections are so important. And as I say yeah. to everyone and Catherine, you know, vote for this woman, get behind her. That's great. That is great. <laughs> well, I've been I've been here for two years. I've been in council. I love it. Uh, two years. I got voted in. Um, I only had 180 votes, but it was uh, I was fifth place. We needed six, uh, six plus a mayor, uh, so there was 14 candidates. And because I've lived in Catherine for 24 years, I I I didn't do much canvassing. I didn't put a, a placard up on the highway. I just went out and saw people, not a lot, but just key people in different areas, uh, Defence Force out here, 3,000 people. So there's people that know me in this town. So that's really important just to talk with people. And, um, uh, yeah, that I, I just refuse to spend very much money at all because what you stand for, what, um, like I stood for, I want to see projects done properly from the start. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of projects in this town that haven't been. And once you get in, the CEO told me, that's not your job, that's my job. <laughs> right. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for calling in and offering your perspective here. Uh, already an elected councillor in Catherine in the Northern Territory. Amanda Kingdon, is that what I heard? Yeah. Yep, That's kingdom. right, with an N. <laughs> I'm sure our Northern Territory listeners will be thrilled that you have called in. I really appreciate your call. Thank you so much, Amanda. Our talkback line's open, 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation, let's take another call. Dee is in Kingston in Tasmania. Hey, Dee, welcome along. Hello. I'm so grateful for this conversation. Um Just recently, the local Kingborough Council hosted an event uh, promoting pride concepts to children as young as um, four, three, four. And they had a competition, a bake-off, um, and they had uh, prizes, and it was very much an inappropriate event. As I was 
in trying to do something about that, I, I came up with some some resistance from Christians, and I just wanted George to speak to a couple of things, if I may. Yep. George, sometimes people say, well, we live in a pluralistic society and they have a right. Mm. That's the first yeah. thing I came up against. The second yeah. thing was Christians don't need to get involved in politics because Jesus never did. Can you speak mm. to those two points for us, George, and educate people about why that's um, perhaps not true? Yeah. Look, that's a... Neil, uh, okay, do you have right. any thoughts first? Right. Well, so let me take the second one. You come back to the first one. The second one is this. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. Do you know what kingdom is? Kingdom is a political force. So anyone who says Jesus didn't come uh, with any sort of political uh, mindset um, miss the whole fact that kingdom is uh, is contrasted to the kingdoms of this world. And uh, when there's going to be a clash of kingdom, uh, then you have uh, a battle on your hands. And so the way Jesus engaged in the battle for kingdom, that perhaps looks a little bit different than uh, the sort of, you know, taking up arms uh, because uh, he was here for the purpose too of redemption. So, uh, but certainly kingdom is political. And yes, if you could, uh, if you could just put your finger on the pulse and say, uh, what is it with this kingdom of God? Uh, does that mean we just are not political? No, it, it means that we are political because there is a clash of kingdoms. Now, on your first point there, George, coming back to you. Well, I'll add to what you've just said on the second point, Neil. I mean, uh, the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus gave us, uh, uh, tells us uh, everything you know about that question. Um, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we're to take no interest in politics, which controls largely what is going on on this earth, how on earth is that prayer to be fulfilled? How on earth are we to make God's will be done on earth if we're going to extricate ourselves from the realm of of governance, of, of how our societies and communities operate. So that's uh, a good response as well to that second question. The first question, though, uh, yes, we live in a pluralist society, but, um, you know, uh, we sort of said this before that, uh, you know, they all talk, talk at the moment is inclusivity. Well, what about us? How does this include us? And we've got to remember, this is not just about... Um, drag queens or the LGBTIQ activists or lobby um, just uh, wanting their own um, rights and 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 and, uh, and freedoms and uh, ability to go about doing things. I mean, they have all of that. What we're talking about is how that intersects with children. And, and what we're talking about is an issue that deeply involves sexuality intersecting with children. Now, I wouldn't want my three-and-a-half-year-old to be exposed to a, a female stripper or a male stripper, for that matter, um, because their profession and their lifestyle is completely centred around sexuality. Uh, I wouldn't want anyone whose lifestyle or profession is completely centred around sexuality to have anything to do with my child. Um, likewise, if, you know, being classifying yourself and identifying yourself around your sexuality or being a drag queen who the innate nature of drag queens is something sexual uh, having that exposed to children is just wrong and and so they can talk about pluralism and inclusivity all they like um but when it comes to children 
I mean, how inclusive and pluralist do you want to be with kids? That's a good question in response to that. I'm sure that not too many parents would want their kids to be completely open to everything that we're able to do in society, we're able to see in society. Dee, anything further to add there quickly? Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think we're talking about, you know, government-sanctioned harm, and I'm not sure that there's a right that exists for governments to harm children. So thank you, George. Look, we're in the middle of a state... We've got a state election, and my prayer is in Tasmania as it is in heaven. So thank you for this conversation. Yes, we're talking council election, but yes, you've got a state election coming up in Tasmania, 23rd of March, going to the polls. Dee, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. Alex is in Melbourne. Hey, Alex, welcome. Hello there. Yes, uh, I I thought that council was also under the Westminster Westminster system, which was which is based on a charter of faith in God, and so that's what I thought. I don't know, it might be wrong, but and I thought, well, how how can, you can't just change everything by a majority vote in some council somewhere. Surely it's got to be a referendum or or something uh, major, doesn't it? George, uh, thoughts here on uh, on how councils are constituted. Uh, look. Um Councils are um, essentially, as I said, creatures of their uh, of state governments. Um, they don't exist in the constitution. So, um, basically, if you think about a council, what you've got to think about that this is a branch of state government, an agency of state government. State governments can actually sack them if they want. Uh, state governments can change the rules completely about council um, uh, because they control the local government act. Uh, but, but. You're right. I mean, our national constitution, which actually sets up state governments, it puts the rules out for state governments as well. Our national constitution, our Commonwealth constitution, actually says, the start of it, humbly relying upon the blessing of Almighty God. Um, you know, uh, uh, that, that they are the words from our uh, constitution. And so uh, we are under divine providence as a nation and the flow on effect from that is uh, as uh, local councils that are creatures of state governments that are also under the national constitution or commonwealth constitution we don't have the westminster system per se it's more a bit of um robert's rules as meetings goes uh uh but but the point that has been made is correct councils need to, to remind themselves that they are part of the federated system being an extension of state government. And that federated system is is built around a constitution which humbly relies upon the blessing of Almighty God. So keeping those prayers in your council or introducing the prayers, because not every council actually does open in prayer, but it might be something in your own community that you can actually work on. Alex, thank you so much for your call. Uh, let's take another call. Lawrence is in Perth. Hey, Lawrence, welcome along. Uh, hello, thank you very much for this morning. Uh, with the Mardi Gras coming up in Sydney in a couple of weeks, that will be endorsed by the council there, won't it? And um, I see that the ABC will be telecasting it, and I don't think there will be a disclaimer at the beginning like it's supposed to be for that sort of thing. Uh, sorry, what's coming up in a couple of weeks? Just repeat that, Lawrence. 
the, the Mardi Gras coming oh, up. Oh, the Mardi Gras. Okay. Yeah, right. that, that, that will be endorsed by the council there. Okay. Councils endorse uh, things like the Mardi Gras as well. Uh, and city councils, often dominated uh, by partisan politics, uh, whereas lots of our uh, councils in the bush or in the regions are non-partisan. Uh, but yes, there's a thought or two from you here, George. Oh, you're 100% right. The uh, Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, one of its um, uh, major sponsors is the City of Sydney. Um, that's under Lord Mayor Clover Moore down there. I mean, they have been <laughs> recognised for a long time as a completely and utterly uh, woke council. I mean, you've you got to remember this is a council that actually gave money, its ratepayers' money, uh, to support the, the Yes campaign when we had the uh, gay marriage plebiscite so they've got a long history of intervention in matters which are completely outside the remit of local government i think that sort of stuff needs to be cleaned up i pray for the day that a common sense government gets its hands on the uh, reins of power in new south wales and actually stops councils from doing this kind of thing it shouldn't be the purview of councils to spend their ratepayers money on things that are uh, ideological or basically outside the remit of local of local government, and uh, the remit of local government boils down to a few things now: uh, roads, rates, and rubbish, and um, you know community uh, development uh, as well, and also economic development. And outside of that, um, nothing else should be done with that money. Okay, Lawrence, thank you so much for your call. We'll put a line under any calls. Just a few minutes remaining. You know, our conversation could go on and on because there's so many dimensions here because when we talk about councils, uh, roads, rates and rubbish uh, and then engaging in, engaging in bigger and contentious issues uh, like climate change, uh, like all of the challenges that we have now recurring every year and I think people are starting to tire of it but all of those controversies around Australia Day um, mm. Public safety issues, uh, councils involved in pill testing at concerts. Uh, we mentioned some of those LGBTQ issues, but then there's also the uh, race and religious issues around solidarity with Hamas Palestinians. That's an interesting dimension there too. There's lots of things that councils are involved in and it might be difficult to not be involved because people are coming to whatever role they might have with their own political views and there are those who want to trumpet their views a little more loudly. So challenging times ahead, but opportunities for people to rise up and either vote in good councillors or stand for council themselves. Thoughts here? Any closing thoughts from you, George? Uh, Neil, you've said it. I mean, we've got councils doing all sorts of crazy things. There's, as I said at the start, the roads, rates and rubbish. There seems to be a lot more rubbish coming out of our councils these days. Uh, and you've named some of these things, uh, you know, and you, you can have a view on this Israel-Hamas situation, but I can guarantee you that a letter, even strongly worded from the city of Melbourne uh, to the state of Israel, is going to matter absolutely naught. So why do they waste time and money and energy on it? Um, and you could say that about a lot of things that councils do. And so we need to uh, de-woke all of our local governments across the nation. Uh, we need good Christian people to step up to the plate, uh, to become activists in their local communities, and better still, to become candidates for elections so that uh, we can actually be part of the de-woking of these councils. Uh, I think that is very important. 
as they say, the old the old, old, old saying, Neil, all politics is local. And I think that there is going to be more and more of a look by people at what is going on in their local communities as councils sort of pervert, really, um, national policy making and even the will of the locals uh, with things like drag queen story time, books and libraries, Australia Day politicisation, you know, the list goes on and on and on. We need to put a stop to it, Neil, and I think the only way that that can happen is through direct involvement by the citizenry. Well, you've been a local councillor before, George, and you're throwing your hat back into the ring in Mackay, and I know there's lots of listeners in Mackay who might be thinking, oh, this is the first I've heard, George Christensen's throwing his hat in the ring, he's going to be uh, standing for election at the local council. Uh, Well, no doubt there'll be some who might want to be in touch with you to uh, either congratulate you, you might even attract a few comments and uh, criticisms too, George. Uh, You're not afraid to to engage in all sorts of controversies as as we all know from your history. But for listeners today, to connect with George Christensen, you can do so at georgechristensen.com.au. And if you're thinking about standing for local council in your own community, maybe you want to follow along some of the progress and some of the campaigning that you'll see from George Christensen over the coming weeks. You can also subscribe to George's blog, nationfirst.substack.com nationfirst.substack.com I did mention the Citizen Go uh, connections as well, citizengo.org so there's lots of ways to connect with George Christensen. George thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and perhaps uh, some might be thinking well George is going to stand for election, this must be part of his campaign. Well thanks so much George for not making it all about your local campaign in Mackay and uh, bringing in listeners from all over Australia who have local governments and councils that are doing all sorts of things, good and bad, in their communities. Thanks so much for your great insights today on 2020. Well, thank you, Neil, and thank you for covering the big issues as well, because it's very important that we have these sort of issues being aired to the nation. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.